0: Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. It's a quiet week for the Seton Hall men's basketball team. After picking up a road victory against DePaul last Saturday, the Pirates are off until this Saturday when they play Xavier at Walsh Gymnasium at 3.30 p.m. Yes, Walsh will be hosting a Big East men's game. I know the women play there, of course, but won't that be a great sight to see? My guest today is Adrian Griffith, a member of the Seton Hall Athletics Hall of Fame. Griffin played four seasons for the Hall from 1992-93 through the 95-96 season. He was a Haggerty Award winner as the Metropolitan Area's top player in 1996 and was a second-team All-Big East selection the same year. In addition, he was named Big East Scholar-Athlete of the Year. Undrafted, Adrian spent time in the CBA and in Europe before getting to the NBA, where he played for nine seasons. He then began carving out a coaching career and currently serves as an assistant coach with the Toronto Raptors, which he helped lead to the 2019 NBA championship. It's been quite a run for Griffin, who came to Seton Hall after a standout high school career in Wichita, Kansas, which is where we begin today's podcast. How does a kid who grows up in Wichita, Kansas, find his way to Seton Hall?
1: (laughs) I've been asked that question quite a bit, and the truth is I was at a five-star camp, I believe it was Robert Morris, uh, five-star camp in Pennsylvania. And my high school coach actually told me that I needed more exposure going into my senior year. So he told me about this camp that was in um, out east. And, you know, obviously I've never heard of, at the time, uh, I've never heard of a uh, five-star, you know, a kid from Wichita, Kansas. So I, you know, I, I think I was barely been out of the state, only maybe – couple times in my life so um it it was a big change but going there you know i I just settled down and played basketball like sometimes uh ignorant is ignorance is bliss (laughs) so i didn't know any of the top guys or the top uh players in the country and i was just competing and uh, just playing hard and they asked me to come back for a second week um and so i just worked in the kitchen to kind of pay for my tuition uh for the second week, and I ended up being like you know all uh camp uh first team and all that good stuff, and I got all those accolades but but anyway um when I went into my senior year, uh, I was only getting a lot of- major schools after me, and i, I really had the uh desire to uh play major d one basketball, but at the time there were no suitors, so at the last minute you know seton hall um they were looking for someone to you know, they had a couple guys that um, that signed and kind of uh, changed their mind. Uh, I think Roger Rose was one of those guys that kind of reneged and went to Kentucky. And so they were scrambling, trying to find a player to, to sign before the deadline. And so one of the assistant coaches, Mike Brown, said, what about that kid from, you know, Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, PJ's reply was, and he used some choice words, but he said, "No kid from Kansas can play, you know, in the big east." and uh, but I'm glad that he was wrong with that, you know, and he ended up um recruiting me and giving me a scholarship, and it really changed my my life for for the better.
0: well, it was interesting, as you were telling that story about five star Camp and working in the kitchen. I said to myself, that is an East Coast story. That's a hard work story. That's a Seton Hall story, having to pay for your tuition. So I don't know how PJ missed that part of the story. Clearly, you, <laughs> clearly you were made out to play on the East Coast and for that Seton Hall team, which was all about hard work.
1: Oh, definitely. I, I remember just being a kid from Wichita and watching the NCAA uh, tournaments and, and seeing Seton Hall battle. And I just loved the way they competed. And I love that they were the the underdog, but they never played like the underdog. And that always stuck out to me. And um, I wanted to be a part of something like that. I remember on my first recruit, you know, literally after 30 minutes of being there, I called my dad and said, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I didn't want to go on any more uh, visits, Um, but he told me that, hey, you know, just finish seeing the rest of the the schools that you, you know, you gave, giving your word that you would visit. But I I knew then like Seton Hall was the place and I felt like home. I felt like it was part of my, you know, my destiny to be there. And it it really uh, shaped my life for the better, not just on the court, but off the court as well.
0: What was it about Seton Hall that made you decide right away, this is it? What was that feeling all about?
1: Well, I think it's hard to just put into words, but I think every kid, you know, when they choose their college, they kind of just know, you know, you get that feeling inside, like this is where I'm supposed to be. Kind of like a, I would say, inner intuition um, or inner voice that was kind of speaking to me. And um, I, I enjoyed the players, you know, that were on the roster at that time. You know, when I went on my visit, uh, Brian Caver was my host and he took great care of me and, and, uh, all the veteran guys really embraced me and I wanted to be coached. I, I knew that to, to get better and, and my aspirations were to go to the next league. I knew that I needed to develop as a player and develop off the court and, and, you know, PJ's reputation preceded itself at the time and still does. And, um, I didn't know I would be coached that hard, but I, I was just a naive, you know, 18 year old kid. And, uh, my father was a minister and so he never yelled or raised his voice or, or cursed and my high school coach never yelled or cursed. So the first time I was was exposed to that type of coaching is when I went to college and it was a big change for me. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It, it was huge uh huge big change and uh it took me some time to really adjust to it, but I think I needed that to toughen me up and and about the time I got to the n b a and the pros you know I, I I was so mentally tough and I knew how to perform in in all kind of adverse situations and I credit just playing for p j at that time because he demanded a lot he had high standards and, um, you have to be able to perform, you know, every coach is different. I think every coach should use, be unique to, to their own self. And, uh, you know, if you've been around PJ, he he was definitely authentic. Um, but it was something that I needed, I believe to, to help me get to the next level.
0: Because you came across half the country to come to Seton Hall, even though you knew on your visit that this was the place for you, but also because it was hard. P.J. is hard on players. He wants the best all the time. He makes you better if you can survive that. And I say that, you know, in the best of ways. He demands excellence. So I'm wondering if in that first year, whether it was homesickness or just this is a different world or this guy's really hard on me, did you ever think I might have to leave Seton Hall?
1: Oh definitely. I mean, it was an accumulation of a lot of things. One, just the culture you know change coming from Wichita, Kansas to you know outside New York, New Jersey and New- the New York metropolitan area. Um, you know in Kansas <laughs> we, we speak to everyone and you don't have to know that person you can be a totally stranger and you could you know you could strike up a conversation and <laughs> But when I remember my first uh, week uh, on the East Coast and I'm walking. A- uh, down the street and you know I saw a guy and I just said what's up you know and that's what we said <laughs> just the smart conversation and he was like what's up what you mean what's up <laughs> and I was <laughs> and, and my my uh my roommate to ship was from Brooklyn and so he would he would have to tell me he said hey man we're walking around you know he would take me to Queens and 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 Brooklyn he would say when we are walking around you you can't do that you got to you know just keep your eyes straight ahead or keep your eyes down and kind of mind your business so i was so you know naive to a lot uh so it was it was not just the basketball but it was just uh learning how to uh, adapt and adopt in a new uh, setting and then you know as far as the, the basketball and you know i was playing major d1 basketball and a lot of, like a lot of uh High school players, you're you're the best um, in your state, but when you go to college, you know everyone's good. Everyone was a you know uh, all state and all American and uh, whatnot, and and so you go from being quote unquote special to scrapping for playing time. And, you know, and after my freshman year, I did contemplate like making a change or transferring, but we had another, you know, Seton Hall, PJ recruited another kid from Kansas and he ended up, uh, his name was Craig Dirksen. He ended up transferring. So he beat me to the punch. So I I felt like, man, I can't transfer now. You know, (laughs) everyone's going to think players from Kansas are soft and all this stuff was going through my mind. So I said, you know, I'm going to stick it out for another year and, You know, uh, one year it turned to, you know, three, four, and I was able to graduate. And I I felt like I, you know, I was always the guy that had to um, squeeze every bit of talent out of myself. Um, And that's kind of one of the things that I look back over my college and and professional career, I I can truly say that I gave it everything I, I could. So when I left Seton Hall, I was definitely pleased with, you know everything that I, I accomplished just to be a player and mention being mentioned in in the big east as one of the uh, better players at that time
0: well you were voted second team all big east uh you were uh you scored almost 20 points per game in your senior year and you were a critical cog for seton hall's clubs uh during your four years. Although in that freshman year, it was a fight for playing time because it was dominated. I look back at that roster and these names are fresh to you, of course, and all Seton hall fans, but Terry DeHare, Jerry Walker, Arturis Karnashevich, Danny Hurley, Luther, Wright. You mentioned Brian Caver, John Leahy, yourself, many of them played in the NBA. That was a hell of a team.
1: It was a phenomenal team, you know, the right. And, uh, you know and, and and Terry the Hare really taught me how to be a, a a pro in 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 college you know he had just a unmatched uh, work ethic just seeing him the way he went about his craft was always getting extra shots early in the morning or coming back in in the evening so uh having him on on uh, the team and as a, as a young freshman really was a blessing you know to to cuz he was Basically showed us the blueprint of of how you can develop into a better player just with the hard work and, and dedication. But I mean, we had a bunch of great guys. Um, the only regret I think we all had is that we didn't go further in the tournament. You know, I believe we got bounced in the second round against I want to say Western Kentucky my my freshman year. But that was definitely a five to fourteen. Um, but that you know goes to show in the tournament. You know, you can't have any. You know, bad games, you know, you, you got to um, perform, um, you know, every night on call in, in the tournament. And, you know, one one uh, subpar game could, could cost you. But uh, I, I believe I speak for the rest of the guys. If we had that the opportunity to do it again, man, we I, I believe we had a chance to compete for a, top, uh, a championship that that year.
0: Well, of course, P.J. led Seton Hall to the final four a few years prior to that, losing in the championship game to Michigan. But he has said that that 92-93 team was the best team he had at Seton Hall in terms of ability. And it did fall short. So as you mentioned, sometimes it just happens. You you run into a surprise team like Western Kentucky in the second round, and suddenly your season is over. Seton Hall wound up finishing sixth in the country in the Associated Press poll, but fell short of what everyone hoped they would be able to accomplish. The last game before the tournament, you kill Syracuse in the Big East Tournament Championship. Um, What do you remember of that game?
1: Well, as a freshman, I I think you're trying to take in the experiences because you're not contributing as much on the floor. Uh, But to be in that type of environment and just to be a part of it and and you kind of have that epiphany, you know, kind of the aha moment, like, man, this is what it takes to play major D1 basketball. Like, this is how I got to prepare. This is how I got to produce and and get myself ready uh, for a game and just being on that stage and being part of the winning culture of Seton Hall. So it really uh, left a lasting impression on me. and it motivated me to, to get better. Like, I, you know, at the time, as a freshman, you're thinking, like, I mean, next year is going to be my year or the year after, and I want to be, you know, on the floor and being able to contribute like Terry DeHair and Jerry Walker and Luther Wright, and I want to have that type of presence on the floor. So, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, deep in the rotation, I was able to get some minutes on the floor that helped. Um, it, it basically helped me to say to myself that, man, I, I can compete with these guys. You know, I was getting a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and I tried to just, you know, know my job, go out there and play hard and kind of figure out things, like where do I fit in? And and I think that's where I got that type kind of mentality of kind of well, what do I need to do to stay on the floor? You know, I'll I'll get some loose, loose balls, rebounds, you know, defend and kind of be that guy that um, doesn't need the ball in his hand all the time, but can find ways to impact the game. And I think PJ appreciated that. And and he, he always seemed to kind of, as a freshman, he always still tried to find some minutes uh, for me to get in that rotation. So it, it was definitely a learning experience, uh, to say the
0: least. So what do you think happened in that Western Kentucky game?
1: Well, I think um, anything can happen in the tournament. And um, it's a game of runs. And I think you have to be ready. You know, uh, when, when the buzzer or when the, the ball is thrown up, you know, you have to just the, the the team that can get off to a good start. And I think that's what happened. You know, the first half, they um, they seem to have control of the the game uh, and the pace of the game. And we couldn't just quite find our rhythm like we normally um, have in the past and, uh, you know, give them credit. Well, well coached team. Um, They play with great composure. And um, I think you know, they may, it comes down to making plays, you know, when, you know, I've I've been fortunate to be a part of a lot of winning and uh, it always comes down to players uh, that can go out and, in in, and be in the moment and uh, make plays either for themselves or, or their, their teammates. And that's what Western Kentucky um, were able to accomplish. And, and we, we just fell short, you know, we, we had some good moments, but, you know, you got to play your best when your best is needed, especially in a, in, in a tournament where, you know, you lose one and you're out.
0: You wound up starting the final three years of your time at Seton Hall. But after your sophomore year, PJ leaves to go to the NBA. Yes. What was that like? I, I think time and having been involved covering professional sports for as long as I have, but also time, you start to realize, hey, that's part of the business. But for you, and now you know that, of course, but at that point, was that the first, hey, this is a business? And how much did it hurt? What were your thoughts?
1: Well, it was actually, it's kind of funny to come think about it now, but after uh, my sophomore season, you know, I went back to Kansas and I said, you know what? I'm going to be ready for P.J. next year. You know, I finally felt like I was getting to a place where I was learning to kind of listen to uh, what he's trying to convey instead of how he's saying, it. you know. And i have numerous conversations with our athletic trainer, John Levitt, called Bunny. And he would always tell me and just say, just listen to what he's saying, not how he's saying it. <laughs> so he knew that I kind of struggled with that as a player. And so when I went home that summer after my sophomore year, I I, I, would, I vowed that, you know what, I'm going to be better. You know, I'm going to be more mentally uh, tougher going into uh, next season. And so one day I was just watching TV and uh, I was watching ESPN and and uh, it ran across the ticker and it said, PJ Carlissimo, was taking the uh, Portland Trailblazer job and literally 5 seconds after I read that my phone rings and it was PJ and he he told me that he was taking the job and and uh how he appreciated, you know, and enjoyed coaching me and whatnot and wished me the best and you know I, I wished him the best and I didn't know like who Seton Hall was going to replace such a great legend, uh, legendary coach as PJ. And I wanted to kind of wait and see uh, what was going on before um, I started to make a decision. But really at no time did I ever think about transferring. And then when I met uh, Coach George Blaney and just you know, he was actually like kind of the total opposite of, of PJ. But in a good way they they both were very effective coaches and uh you know p j um, he really taught you know taught me about how to raise your game and and play to a high level um, when it's most important and I think uh george blaney just gave me the freedom to kind of you know take my my game to another level uh offensively and put The ball in my hands, and I was able to grow that in that way. So, um, I was really fortunate to have two great Austin awesome, uh, uh coaches at Seton Hall.
0: The success on the court under Coach Blaney, though, wasn't there. That had to be awfully disappointing to everyone because George yeah. is a heck of a coach, absolutely. I mean, he yeah. was uh and a great man, but it just didn't work out.
1: No, and and I think, uh, you know, the to be honest, it, it really uh made me appreciate um you know PJ probably a little bit more as far as you know playing for him it's like you uh always have to keep your head down underwater and and when uh George Blaney came um it's kind of like i i could come up for some air but then you realize like you know there there was some pros to playing and under that type of uh adversity you know and it really uh you, you started to really appreciate a lot of the things that um PJ brought to the table and especially when I went to the pros and we were working on the same things that we used to work under on under uh PJ Carlissimo and practice and all the techniques and the theories and um all the all of the drills that we would do under PJ I found that a lot of those drills we were doing in it, well, when i was in the nba and and that made me appreciate uh pj even more so it was tough I, I won't lie because we went from making the tournament um the ncaa's and then my junior year we went to uh the nit and then i believe my senior i don't think we we made a post no uh, tournament so postseason tournament so um it was, it it was tough because in college and like this goes for every athlete, you only, you know, get four years, five years max, a lot of times. And, um, you want to make those, those moments count. And, uh, but you know, that's on everyone. You know, I could have done better. Uh, I believe my teammates could have done better. And we all, you know, we, we all had a hand, you win and you lose as a team. And, but it it really did make me uh you know appreciate uh a lot of the hard work that we had to put in to to win those games earlier on in my um, college career.
0: Adrian, bear with me. I know it's a game day. and You probably want to get a little nap in before you head to the arena. I have just a few more questions, and then sure. we will let you go. And and again, thank you so much for your time. Looking back at your time at Seton Hall, the highs and the lows. You got not only your bachelor's, but your master's degree from Seton Hall. You're studying for a doctorate. Are you still?
1: Yes, I am. I'm, I'm actually, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel here. I've been working on my doctorate for the last four years, and I, I'm, I'm in the uh, dissertation phase. I'm doing, I'm taking uh, organizational leadership, um, and my dissertation is basically going to be on coach and stress. And it kind of hits home base for me because just the, the travel and the demands and, and the you know on and off the quarter of dealing with, with the athletes and then you have family responsibilities. So I I, I wanted to choose something that will help benefit others, but also will help benefit myself just being a coach. So it's been going well. I'm I'm I uh in the interviewing process of, of getting a few Um, candidates that that uh, I think would be awesome to contribute to what I'm doing. And and hopefully uh, this time next year, I'll be uh, Dr. Griffin.
0: That would be unbelievable. And uh, kudos to you. Is is the doctorate through Seton Hall or another school?
1: Uh, It's it's through Concordia. um, in Chicago, when I was coaching with the, the Bulls, um, I was living right down the street from the university and uh, just and my actually my CBA coach at uh, when I came out of school was um it was the, the the head coach there at the time, so you know it was a great opportunity for me to to support him and also um, just start my post grad education mm-hmm. so it it was it's it's been awesome so far I do most of it uh the schoolwork online. Uh, obviously, because of my uh, just my um, demands of of coaching in the NBA, but it's, it's it's been really a fantastic journey.
0: Well, and it it's just been a pleasure to have you discuss it. So the reason I ask is because Seton Hall clearly has been an important part of your life, not only what it did for you on the court, off the court, and again the master's and bachelor's degree there. I thought perhaps completing the uh, triple crown, if you will, with the doctorate. So it leads to the question. What is it about Seton Hall and Adrian Griffin all these years?
1: Well, I think for me, it's, it's one, it's a fine institution. Uh, being there, you know, it suited my person, personality. You know, um, Seton Hall is a community school. It, you know, it's, you know everyone. It's, it's like a family atmosphere. I still talk to um, some of the... My, some of my best friends are, are from Seton Hall. And uh, so it, it was a unique time for my life, a pivotal, pivotal time in my life. It being 18 years old, leaving home and being at Seton Hall, it, can, it grew me up, so to speak, um, where I had to really fend for myself in a sense. And um, all the support that I got there to help me be, become a better person on and off the court. Um, I remember Robin uh, Cunningham, who was our academic uh, advisor at the time when I was playing there um, at, uh, at Seton Hall. And I was going into my my last semester of my uh, senior year, and I asked her, um, "How many credits do I need to graduate uh, in May?" And she said, "You know, you need twenty one credits." And I said, "Well, sign me up." And so I took seven courses. That year, my senior year, and while I was playing basketball, and she was there with me every step of the way, she got me a tutor for every class, she stayed late with me of any papers or or anything that I was struggling with, and she held my hand through it all the way and and she she did not fail me, she would not let me fail and i you know it was hard, and i I, I put in a lot of long hours, you know, I never forget that you know that she she really um she got in the trenches with me and I was able to graduate on time uh my senior year and and to this day I thank her so much. And, and then I was inducted into the uh Seton Hall uh sports hall of fame and and uh, of course she was there and and uh it, it was it's just been a special time in my life of where you're trying to find yourself and I felt like I found my identity at Seton Hall. So it's just a special place for me. Um, and every kid that grows up kind of has that, you know, where you go away to college and magic kind of happens and, and you you go from a young boy and you turn into a young adult. And, that, and that's what happened for me.
0: You're on the path to be a head coach. I know you're an assistant coach now with the Toronto Raptors. A couple of years ago, yes. you won the NBA championship, the pinnacle of the basketball world. You've interviewed for head coaching positions in the league. What's the next step? What, what will it take in your mind to be able to move over that one seat?
1: Well, I think it's just staying the course. You know, I think I've done everything that has been handed to me, and I think that's all that you can do. You know, I... I get asked every time I go into a head coach interview. They they ask me why do I feel that uh, I'm ready to be a head coach and take that next step. And, and my answer to, to that is that I've been successful with everything that's been handed to me. And that's all you can do is to to be disciplined and and diligent with uh, the task that uh, has been assigned to you. And I, I've been able to show that I can succeed in in, in uh, under any circumstance and uh, I've won uh, as a player I've won as a as a coach um I believe in lifelong learning and f- always finding ways to get, get better and and I think most importantly I believe in people I believe that players are uh I see them as as people first and I understand that they that they bring their whole selves to to practice and their whole selves to game and and you have to be able to coach the whole person. And you know, I, I I enjoy uh building those connections with the players and and I've been and lastly I've been under some phenomenal coaches, you know, starting with PJ Carlismo in college and Rick Rettino, uh Don Nelson, Scott scouse Tom Thibodeau, Billy Donovan, and now Nick Nurse and I mean, the list goes on. So I've been fortunate to be exposed to some great teachers, some great communicators of the game. And, you know, I I just have to stay patient. and, And, you know, when your time comes, it
0: comes. Well, Adrian Griffin, thank you so very much for sharing your thoughts with us on Pirates Talk. Best of luck on and off the court this year and for the rest of your life. And we look forward to calling you Dr. Griffin next year. And perhaps we can sit down and share some time. There's so much I'd love to talk to you about your days in the CBA, playing in Italy, uh, your, your family, great athletes, all that sort of stuff. But uh, thank you for your time this time. And again, good luck the rest of the way. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And, And let's do it again. And that will wrap things up for this edition of Pirates Talk. Thanks to Adrian Griffin for his time. And I'll take him up on his offer to speak with him again. There's so much we left on the table because of time considerations. His time in Europe, playing in the CBA, coaching in the NBA, and following the performances of three of his children who are standout basketball players. Daughter Aubrey plays for the University of Connecticut. Son Allen is at Syracuse. While son DJ is considered a five-star recruit who has committed to playing at Duke beginning next year. Might have to kid him about how they got away from the Hall. (laughs) Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And if you do drop a note, I will mention your name on an upcoming show. Recently, I interviewed Arturis Karnishevis, Griffin's former teammate at the Hall and fellow Hall of Fame member, now the Executive Vice President for Basketball Operations with the Chicago Bulls. So look for that show to drop in the near term. Special thanks, as always, to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the show and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Matt Lachlan. Be safe, be well, and let's go Pirates.